like, hello, what? Whatever it is, I'm liking it. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Podventure Time. My name is Pat. And I'm Ben. And this is the podcast where I try to make Ben a fan of Adventure Time, which is, if not my very favorite show, certainly one of my very favorite shows. I've seen every episode several times. And Ben, how many times have you seen every episode? I have seen every episode no times, except for the ones that we've already watched, which I have seen one time. Okay, so if you are a fan of Podventure Time and have listened to previous episodes, then you know exactly which episodes Ben has watched. But Ben is watching as we go along, and I am doing my best to convince him to be a fan of Adventure Time. I think we uh, made some progress last week. Yeah. I think we had some, some good episodes. I think so, too. I think we had a good, a good pairing. Uh, I enjoyed them. And I think we should uh, jump right into this week's episodes. All right, let's go ahead and do it. So this week, we're going to be talking about two episodes, namely Mystery Train and Come With Me, which are episodes 19 and 20 from season two. Ben, we were just talking about the fact that we are just about done with season two. We're getting real close. We got like three episodes left until season two well, three episodes of the podcast, anyway, left until season two is over, and then we're going to have to do some kind of fancy wrap-up special. And hey, fans, if there's anything you want to hear in the wrap-up special, tweet at us and let us know what they are. Yeah, that's for sure. I realized as we get to the end of season two that my credibility of saying that I am not a super fan of this show is getting thinner and thinner. Like My behavior of watching every single episode of two straight seasons of this show, I don't know that I I don't know that if to an outsider that wouldn't look like fandom. Yeah, but you know, people who study urine for a living, I don't think anybody's gonna show up in their lab and call them piss lovers. Right. Yeah. Right. Like like World War Two history buffs aren't like fans of the Nazis, I guess. Uh, yeah, just just look at it as a, as an experiment. Okay, and I'm a researcher. Even if you even if you do become a fan as we move along, hopefully, uh, you know, honestly, as I watched the show, my fandom and the way that I appreciated the show changed. So even if tomorrow you decide, you know what, I'm an Adventure Time fan, well, then we will just keep watching and enjoying them and talking about them and seeing if the nature of your fandom changes. So. I think that I have derailed us far enough, which is a good segue into Season 2, Episode 19, Mystery Train. I am not on board with that. You had that planned the whole time, didn't you? I literally just came up with it. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Then Then uh, objection sustained. Fine. <laughs> All right. Mystery Train. Let's do it. Uh, go. Let's go. The... Mystery Train. Let's talk about the plot a bit. I don't like to hit every single detail right off the bat, but I think what you should understand about Mystery Train, as I understood it, is that this is essentially uh, an episode that revolves around a big plan that Jake has put together for Finn's birthday. 
Finn has some birthday surprise waiting for him at the end of the episode that Jake has planned, and the whole episode is them on the way to this birthday surprise. Yeah, Jake wakes up Finn kind of early in the morning, we think, because Finn is sound asleep, and blindfolds him and says, hey bud, let's go, it's time for your birthday surprise, and... Finn at first thinks that the train itself is the birthday present, but he quickly realizes that they're going to have to take the train to get to the birthday. And there's a certain individual that Finn notices climbing onto the train, and uh, it gives him pause. Yeah, it's the conductor of the train who is essentially uh, sort of a large lollipop individual. Big, big brown pink head, thin body, a member of the Candy Kingdom of some kind. And he is a creepy dude. He is, that is best described as a creepy dude. He has a creepy low voice and he laughs inappropriately and for too long at things like, come on board my train, (laughs) things like that. Yeah, it's like he's in on the joke, but we're not. Exactly. So that is that is for that is Finn's introduction to this train that Jake has taken him to. Hey, I, I have a question. Whose yeah. voice did you think that the conductor sounded like? Oh, I it was I recognized it as John DiMaggio right away. Yes, it was John DiMaggio, but to me it sounded like um, what's his name? The uh, oh, it's uh, you know the guy with the mustache and tombstone and the low voice and the Chevy truck, Sam Elliott. Yeah, a little bit of Sam Elliott, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Sort of a raspy, threatening Sam Elliott, I thought. Like a raspy, it's like a Wilford Brimley Sam Elliott kind of going on. Like, Wilford Brimley's kind of got, like, I think Wilford Brimley's voice is is like 90% his mustache. Uh, <laughs> and so it, like, comes through the mustache all muffly for some reason. And it's all bristly. And I think that it's a little bit of that and then a little bit of the drawl that Sam Elliott brings and that's that yeah, you put them together and you get this conductor yeah i also think it's good that you brought up wilford brimley because this entire episode takes place if not in the candy kingdom at least in its environs with like gumball gulch and stuff and there's candy people on the train and we all know that wilford brimley has a firm stance against diabetes yes he does he does so i'm not sure that i'm not, i don't think that wilford brimley is going to be on that train giving everybody a high five for hanging out with Nothing but sugar. Indeed. No, this is a a Wilford Brimley free zone. And I thought I I would like to point out like what I took away from the setup of this episode and basically the whole plot. I mean, this is some cliche but classic best friend behavior, like setting up a setting up a birthday surprise, like an elaborate birthday surprise like this. It is it's very much a sitcom setup, but it is also very much a sort of best friend trope so i as soon as this episode opened i was like all right this is going to be a finn and jake bro and bro and out kind of episode or at least not that you need to establish that they're friends anymore but just a very much reinforcement episode of just like this is what finn and jake's friendship is yeah jake obviously planned this whole outing and the fact that he did that is evidence of just how important his friendship with finn is to him yeah. Have you ever had a surprise birthday party? I don't think I have. No. I. Oh, well, I've had a s- surprise birthday gathering. I think I showed up at a wine bar in St. Louis and a handful of my friends were there that I wasn't expecting. 
Oh, okay. Uh, I think technically there was a birthday cake, but there was no sort of jumping out and yelling surprise or anything like that. Yeah, me either. I I think I've had similar, like, I expected one gathering and it turned out to be a larger gathering kind of thing. Like, oh, you're yeah. here too. Oh, that's awesome. That kind of a thing. So that that's definitely happened. But I mean, it's like, I've definitely never been taken on a birthday adventure, which is cool. Yeah, I actually was going to say that I have, which is a little more analogous to what, what Finn is experiencing here. There was a time, I think I was... I was turning 26 or 27, and someone insisted that I get in the car, and we left St. Louis, headed west on Interstate 44 until we got, I don't know, somewhere around Rolla. 44 Highway, you mean? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah? Uh, um, Yeah. Wherever, whatever road we were on, we wound up somewhere around Rolla, and we pulled up to a small airfield, and... I'm not sure exactly how long it took me, but at some point it became clear that I was going to go skydiving for my birthday. So that was certainly a surprise birthday adventure. Whew. It was awesome, though. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that video. Have you shown me that video? I don't know. Um, I okay. think that I've got it digitally somewhere, so I'll All make right. sure that I'll make sure that you get to experience it. Okay. All right. So anyway, uh, we've got a best friend cliche happening today on this episode we uh we should get back into it the we are on a train on their way to a birthday surprise and finn is finn's excited finn enjoys train rides it appears uh yeah finn's thrilled just to get the train well first he's thrilled just about the blindfold then he's thrilled about the train and then uh you know finn loves adventures so getting on a train and going somewhere that's right up his alley yep so while on the train, something starts to happen. Strange things start to happen. They We kind of meet a few of the other passengers on the train, which are all Candy Kingdom denizens. And we have a, a conflict that starts to occur. Uh, a Candy Cane-based individual is being jostled by the train and spun around a lot, and he keeps whapping his little... The hook part of the candy cane keeps smacking another guy in the face. The Colonel Candy Corn, right? Keeps smacking Colonel Candy Corn in the face. Now Colonel Candy Corn is understanding. He's a he's been around the block. He's an elderly gentleman. He understands that Mister Candy Cane sometimes can't help it if he's jostled one way or the other. But it starts happening more and more and more and more and more and more, and it gets to the point where Colonel Candy Corn has had enough, and he shouts, "I will kill you!" To Mr. Candy Cane, and then the train goes through a tunnel, and when they come out on the other side, there is a Candy Cane skeleton sitting on the seat next to Colonel Candy Corn. And all of a sudden, we have Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, now, that one I did have in mind before the episode no, started. No, that one is uh, fully, that's fully accepted by the court. No, that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll allow it. Which thrills Finn. Finn is very excited to oh. get to solve a murder mystery. Yeah, yeah. He gets to go full detective, uh, uh, full train-based murder mystery. It's right out of Agatha Christie. Not that Finn has any clue of what Agatha Christie is, as far as I can tell. But he is he is tickled that he gets to solve a mystery. And so he begins a very cliched detective investigation. It's basically he takes every murder mystery cliche and assumes it to be true 
and applies that's basically his scientific method for this investigation Things. Yeah, I would say that he takes all of the cliches and he assumes that they're true and then he misapplies them. There doesn't seem to be any real uh, logic behind what Finn is doing. You know, I think that he's he's randomly accusing people without really, I don't know, it just seemed to me that Finn was accusing people for the sake of accusing people. He was having a really good time and he didn't exactly exhibit the, the skills of Poirot if you will. Oh, definitely not. But I think what he was doing was doing things like taking the phrase, taking a, taking a cliche, like it's never the first person you suspect. So then he used that as absolute gospel truth to mean that you never, he, he would just literally not suspect the first person, which was the, the Colonel who had just shouted, I will kill you. He said, well, that would be the first person you expect. So therefore as a tautology, that is officially false. Like that is, he's yeah. official, he is officially uh, not a suspect anymore. Yeah, that's what he's doing, I think, is taking murder mystery cliches and sort of metagaming them so that, oh, well, this is the most obvious person, so this person is obviously not the killer. Right. In any sort of real-life situation, you would say, oh, this is the most obvious person. <laughs> this is probably the killer. But mm-hmm. if you've read too many mystery novels or if you're Finn and you're looking for an adventure then you go ahead and just you you metagame the whole thing and you don't take clues at face value you take them for their role in the murder mystery right what would be the most narratively appropriate essentially is where he's going is like what would be correct what would be correct in a in a fictional murder even though he is exactly. faced with even though he is faced with an actual murder precisely yep it's a and so it continues like that for a while he investigates the entire train finding clues with a big old air quotes hanging around that uh he he pulls i enjoyed this little montage he pulls things out like i found a book and it's just like it's a dictionary underneath someone's seat uh and he found he found a a receipt in the dining car and he's it's a receipt from a previous train ride on a different train. <laughs> I love that line. But, but it just finds a bunch of nonsense clues, but but then puts it up on his crime board with ribbon with like strings tied between them, and he starts to try to unravel this thing with the haphazard style that he is uh, famous for. Yeah, and I think that we should add that before he even starts digging into clues he is accusing people based on, you know, oh, well, you tried to deflect uh, suspicion onto me, so it must be you. And basically being accused by Finn of being the killer is a great way to end up dead. Ten Little Indians style. Uh, exactly. He uh, Every time he accuses someone of being the killer, the lights go out or they go through another tunnel and we end up with another skeleton of the of the accused. And Finn takes it kind of in stride, kind of just like, oh, I guess you weren't the killer. Like he's not as he's not horrified by the fact that he seems to be able to essentially uh, guarantee someone's death. He's more just perplexed that his seemingly flawless logic has led him to a dead end. Yeah, any sort of horror or sadness that Finn might have felt at the death of 
Candy Kingdom citizens is far outweighed by his excitement at getting to solve a murder mystery. Right. And all along, Jake is there helping him, um, being supportive, being generally a good friend, trying to trying to point out trying to point out things that he finds interesting about the whole scenario. But for the most part, this is Finn leading the investigation. Beyond that, we we basically get to the end of uh, the, we get to the end, close to the end of the train ride. Yeah, we should point out before we get to the end of the train ride that at least Jake and maybe other characters, but certainly Jake keeps saying, hey, Finn, do you think that it might be that <laughs> creepy Sam Elliott conductor who's behind all of this? And Finn rules him out immediately because he's just too creepy, right. making him too obviously the murderer. Right. Finn has absolved him of, of any wrongdoing because he is too creepy for exactly the reason you said. Yeah, Jake is pretty convinced, or at least Jake is in a helpful way trying to steer Finn towards the conductor as a suspect. And Finn is not interested in following that train of thought. He is much more interested in finding the finding the killer amongst the rest of the train passengers which he is whittling down quickly with all of his accusations. And we get to a point where he asks Poirot style or, you know, pretty much any detective story style to, for all of the remaining suspects to gather in a single location, the caboose of the train uh, for a final reveal, a final masterful reveal of who Finn knows to be the killer. And he goes through a big, long speech trying to tie this trying to tie a bunch of random clues he's found together like some sort of masterful thread of uh thread of intrigue and there's absolutely no coherence to it whatsoever no nothing at all nothing at all uh but he finally gets to the point where he says and the killer is and then the lights go out and every other single passenger on the train ends up dead <laughs> <laughs> and Finn's Finn's reaction at this point is not he does not question anything other than to say, oh, so there wasn't a killer, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is amazing. Faced with a essentially like a, a 40 to 50 person death scene, his reaction is there is no killer. But Jake then says, well, there is still one person on the train, the conductor. And Jake looks, uh, Finn looks to the end of the train and there's the conductor standing there with a wooden sword and a just as creepy of a laugh as the beginning of the episode. And Finn finally says, you were the killer? And the, the conductor just says, yep. Well, what I actually really liked was uh, before Finn sees the conductor, he does it, it, at one point deduce that once he realizes that the conductor's also alive, it's, it's Finn, Jake, and the conductor who are alive on the train. And Finn goes, oh, he did it. Right. About the conductor. Yes. <laughs> who Jake has been suggesting the entire time. And then Finn gets this look of utter like pride on his face and sort of smiles and looks around mugging for the camera as though he uh, had made, you know, the discovery. He, he had cracked the case of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was just process of elimination that led him to the conclusion that Jake had reached uh, very early on in the investigation. Yeah. And you're right. I have forgotten that. And the other piece that I've forgotten was that uh, in his pride and joy of solving oh, yeah. solving the uh, murder, he he hugs Jake out of joy and out of out of pride and hugs him and squeezes him tight. And then the lights go out. And when they come back on, Jake is dead. 
There is only a skeleton left a of skeleton. Jake. There's only a skeleton left of Jake. And the look and the sound, the look that he makes, the look that Finn makes and the sound that he makes when that happens is a reminder of just how strong of a bond those two have. Yeah. How did you feel when Jake was a skeleton? I felt bad for Finn. Like I, by this point in the episode, I had a, I think I had, I had figured out kind of what was happening at this point, but just to watch Finn go through that was tough. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I, I remember feeling very, I was very affected the first time that I watched it. And all of a sudden Finn is holding Jake's skeleton and he's just, I mean, he's destroyed. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen this episode, I don't know how many times, so there's no surprises to me, but just like you, you having had already figured it out, me knowing what the ultimate outcome was going to be, it really didn't make it that much easier to see Finn holding Jake's skeleton and just being distraught and overcome with emotion. It's, it's, uh, you know, I think that we've watched enough of Adventure Time now that we're attached to these characters and the idea of Jake being taken away from Finn is unthinkable and really, really painful for Finn. And I think that pain has started to transfer onto us. Yeah, and I would say that I thought that the animators did a really a really excellent job of animating it because it was it was understated for the, I mean for this show it was understated. Uh, like the animation style for this show to show emotions uh I mean especially on Finn Finn has Finn kind of goes from 0 to 60 in terms of emotion and he this was incredible pain but not in a they didn't over animate it. They didn't make it like at first, at least, they didn't make it incredibly like grotesque or, or um, incredibly exaggerated. It was just like a quivering lip and just a crumpled face and and just utter despair. It was it was well done. Yeah, they didn't you know zoom in and do sort of a Ren and Stimpy face like they might if Finn thinks Jake is dead or in trouble and he's about to you know, leap into a dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. This was a very, it, it was exactly how you might expect a little boy to react when his dog is dead. Mm -hmm. And I think that that probably is another reason why it was so affecting is that, you know, if Jake's or if Finn starts hooting and hollering and looking angry and he's going to go get somebody. Okay. Yeah, we understand that, but that's not how most people react. But this actual sadness this resigned sadness on the part of finn that's very different from what we've seen before and it really i think it i think you're right it shows just how much jake means to finn mm -hmm. yeah he was he was lost for that moment finn that is finn was lost for that moment he we quickly transition now into into that sort of extreme reaction mode because he turns and sees the conductor standing there and now knows the conductor has been the murderer the whole time. And now the conductor has murdered Jake and Finn, Finn explodes into full on vengeance mode. And so yes, he grabs a sword and he is going to solve this problem the way that he knows how to solve problems yep, with swords. And so he begins chasing the conductor the conductor makes an escape through the train and we have a sort of a classic chase through a train scene 
complete with the conductor removing the linchpins between the train cars and trying to distance himself, trying to trap Finn on a on an unattached car while while the conductor makes a getaway attached to the engine. Now, now, did you notice while the conductor was running away that he was skating? Uh, yeah, he's on a skateboard. Yeah. Right. So the conductor is skating and, you know, while the train is moving, that's not really how he's getting away from Finn. So his method of getting away from Finn is all aboard. No. Pause for editing. No, no, no. We're going to have to remove that part. <laughs> uh. All right, you start editing the episode. You can take out whatever puns you want. <laughs> I'll allow it. Never mind. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> uh, He's skating, and since you mentioned it, against the laws of physics, frankly. Like, given how yeah. the train would be moving, being on a wheeled vehicle like a skateboard. You would be traveling backwards. Yeah, and Finn kind of does matrix jumps between cars as they're falling away from yeah. the one that the conductor is on. So yeah, I don't think we need to like really harp on the physics of this chase, but it is uh, it is exaggerated to say the least. And they are uh, they're running and running through the cars up and down, like sometimes on top of a car, sometimes through a car. But it ends up uh, in a final showdown in the engine car, and Finn is Finn is beyond reach. With with vent like he is in full rage vengeance mode, and he says something even to the effect of like, "That's what I'm going to get for my birthday, vengeance." All I want for my birthday is vengeance. And he goes in for a killing blow with his sword, and all of a sudden the conductor just says like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, dude!" and quickly morphs into Jake. And the big reveal, which maybe the maybe you listeners would have guessed, or if you've seen the episode, you knew it. The big reveal is that Jake was the conductor all along. And he was conspiring with the Candy Kingdom residents to create a murder mystery. The murder mystery was the birthday gift. And Jake knew his friend so well that he knew that a murder being able to solve a mystery on a train, a murder mystery on a train, would be an amazing birthday present for Finn. And so he conduct he conducted, he concocted the entire scenario. Yeah, and he's right. Finn loved it. Finn loved it. Jake unveils his entire ploy his entire plot, including how he swapped out bodies for skeletons, uh, how he managed to be both with Finn and play the conductor at the same time. It involved Jake's stretching ability, essentially, the ability for him to sort of like stretch part of his body to play the conductor while the rest of his body stayed near Finn. But all of that aside, it was essentially a large plot on Jake's part. And then we, we only have one flaw in the plan, which is that Finn, in his rage, uh, struck the control panel of the train with his sword, and the train is now moving out of control towards a towards a broken track at a cliffside and the the train plummets off the edge of the cliff and Finn and Jake embrace each other as they plummet to their doom but fortunately they land on a big pile of jello a big a sentient big pile, pile of jello big <laughs> pile of sentient jello right uh, and they land on the pile of jello they are saved nothing happens they are completely fine 
and there is a waiting table and chairs and party favors to have a birthday party for Finn. And a lot of and all of the guests, probably all the train guests as well, were there. Um, the train can, the train passengers as well were there, and they are all there for a party, and they have one. And Finn is beyond ecstatic. He loves his birthday. He loves the birthday present, and he tells Jake at the very end of the episode. He thinks his favorite part was just was the part where they landed on the Jello. He thought that would must have taken a lot of time to prepare. And Jake goes, "No, not really." That was just luck. <laughs> and Finn thinks about it and then restates and says, so we could have just died a horrible death? And Jake just goes, yep. And then we end the episode. We end the episode with them sitting in silence contemplating that fact. And at the end of the episode, I mean, this was just a silly, fun episode all about... Finn and Jake's best friend relationship. I think we got two the two reinforcing moments of that. Uh, one just being the entire plot that Jake has put together for for his best friend, uh, the entire birthday present. That's one reinforcement, and then the other was uh, that brief moment where Jake or Finn thought that Jake had died. That was probably the that was the emotional climax of the whole episode, and uh, it was uh, very effective. Yeah. I thought it was a good contrast where Jake has, despite his general irresponsibility and inability to think farther than four or five seconds ahead, he's concocted this entire scheme and he pulls it off pretty much seamlessly. But then it turns out that he just didn't bother to figure out how the train was going to stop. And so he almost killed them at, at, anyway, you know, getting back to the old uh, irresponsible Jake that we know and love. Yeah, that's true. I uh, yeah, to, I had thought about that that he had built he had built this whole plot right up into the point where someone had to stop the train. He was good at faking deaths, but preventing deaths, eh, he didn't quite get around to that. Yep, this was a uh, this was a pretty fluffy episode. Very much a side, very much just like a standalone episode that doesn't require much much more in the way of thought. Um, just a fun one to watch, though, for sure. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. This was one that I was looking forward to seeing. I really like the the character of the conductor. As I have watched it multiple times, the clues as to what's going on become blindingly obvious, as they probably do in many <laughs> mystery mystery movies or books or whatever. But my favorite one is when Finn says, oh, it, it can't be the conductor. He's He's too creepy. Jake goes, okay, I'm going to get a schedule, and he sits down, and then all of a sudden the, the conductor shows up, and he's on a skateboard, and he's smiling, and uh, he's kind of like, oh, hey, what's going on? I heard somebody out here said I was creepy, but in right. fact, I'm cool and awesome, and he does like an ollie. <laughs> yep. And so when you realize that Jake, having heard Finn say, well, it couldn't be the conductor because he's so creepy, Jake's like, oh, man, I better give Finn a clue that it is the conductor by making him be cool and awesome. And then Jake actually, after the conductor leaves, Finn says, man, he was creepy again. And Jake goes, no, he wasn't. He was cool and awesome. <laughs> and I think at that moment also, when the conductor leaves, he goes, happy birthday, Finn. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> like he knows Finn's name without having ever heard it before. I think, I think that whole, I mean, not that I'm trying to sound super smart here, but, I kind of figured out what was going on pretty early on in this yeah. episode. Um, 
and you're supposed to it's it's i'm not i actually shouldn't be bragging um (laughs) you're supposed to figure it out quickly and so that you're in on the joke but yeah this was a uh there's a lot of funny little moments like that as jake tries to steer finn towards a correct conclusion because i think i think in jake's mind solving the murder mystery quickly maybe was like would have been what he thought maybe that would have been like rewarding for finn but i think for finn like just being a detective like having like not having to he wanted to solve it but like he was in no hurry like he really enjoyed every aspect of it he was going to milk it for all it was worth yeah it was about the journey not the destination for finn he just loved being a detective yeah yeah so i thought it was a uh it was a fun episode i it didn't blow me away in terms of teaching me anything yeah me much about the characters i did like the moments where we saw how much finn cares about jake and jake cares about finn but uh you know it wasn't you know that's not new news 10 episode or anything but i i did enjoy it thoroughly yeah i like the weird denizens of the candy kingdom i mean colonel candy corn is pretty funny just old crotchety colonel candy corn dr donut dr donut uh all of them are good so i think anytime you get to meet some more members of the candy kingdom it's usually a funny time yeah, so that is uh, that's Mystery Train, and of course we always talk about two episodes of Adventure Time on one episode of Podventure Time. So let's go ahead and move on to episode twenty, and that one's called "Come with Me." And I got to say up front that this is when I tell you about like how cool Adventure Time is. This is kind of one of the episodes that I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Well, you'll have to tell me. Uh, give me more. I will kind of talk you through, talk us through the the plot, and let's try to get to that point quickly. Then um, this is an episode that is revolving around the plot hook of there is a movie night, a couple's movie night. Yes, a couple's movie night that Jake will be taking his girlfriend to, Lady Rainicorn, and he suggests that Finn come as well. And Finn's on board, but Jake says, "Well, you've got to bring someone with you. It's couples night," and so. Finn says, fine, I'll bring this duck that happens to be passing by at the, <laughs> at the moment that we're talking. And Jake kind of says, no, what, you have, what has to happen is that you need to bring someone that you can smooch. And Finn recoils at this idea. He says, Bleh, I don't want to smooch anybody. And Jake explains, no, you don't have to bring someone that you're going to smooch. It's just someone that you can smooch. And so there is <laughs> already, there's, it is clear that there are social and romantic rules about couples night that Finn is unable to grasp and that Jake will need to teach him in order to fully understand what is required to attend a couples movie night. Yeah. And I think that that, I think that the starting off like that is, I thought, I thought that was great. Like this is definitely Jake being the older brother to Finn <laughs> saying like, let me, let me tell you how the world works. Absolutely. Kind of thing. It is a real big brother moment. And I think there's more to say about this, but I did think that the language choice was sort of interesting. Jake says you have to bring somebody that you can smooch. And my mind, of course, goes to, well, I mean, you can smooch anybody. And so what does the rule exactly mean? You know, is it someone that you can smooch in the sense that you may be sexually attracted to them? I don't think that applies to Finn. Is it somebody that you can smooch because it would be socially acceptable to do so? 
And in that case, then we have to dig into what is socially acceptable in terms of smooching and ooh. I think that we only see, you know, we only see characters that present as male kissing characters that present as female in this episode. But, you know, to me, if Finn wants to kiss another boy, that's fine. He can kiss a boy. So I, I it kind of was like, oh, someone you can smoosh. But what does that really mean? And I hope that they're not enforcing some court, some sort of rule where the person that you can smooch has to be of the opposite gender. Yeah, I don't think that they're trying to force a, like a heteronormative narrative on anybody in this no, one. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think though that they are, the way I took it was that Jake was saying that movie night, couples movie night is for advancing a romantic agenda and therefore, uh, it would be silly to bring someone with which you have no desire to advance a romantic agenda. And so I think can smooch was like someone that you could smooch and have their permission to smooch and that it would advance it would advance your romantic relationship with that person. Yeah, that's is a good all way that, to think about it. Is all that, that, that was going on. But yeah, fair, fair point to dig in and at least call it out. And I think you're right. I think when they did show movie night at the fin- at, towards the end of the episode, uh, there were it was pretty much uh, heterosexual couples, or at least in terms of like um, you know, as much as you can with like ice cream cones and right. things like that. But that's the premise of the episode, which is Jake is going to tell Finn what couples movie night is all about, and and there's even like a bit of a smash cut, not a smash cut, but like a um, a, a time cut a time uh, cut between when they're talking at the opening of the episode to when they 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 jump forward in time and to the end it's like jake sort of finishing up his explanation of what uh he meant and it very much felt like a birds and the bees kind of like conversation that we just missed or that we implied just happened between uh finn and jake i don't think like the talk but it was like some sort of like this is what romantic love is and this is what it means and explaining some of those concepts to finn yeah it does imply that it took quite a while and i'm not sure exactly what jake told finn i think you're right that it didn't involve mechanics or uh, bananas and condoms or anything but finn does seem to understand that he's going to need to bring a girl with him But that seems to be the only thing I think that Finn really understands from that talk. This whole episode to me was a lot of people speaking at each other and not really understanding what the other was saying. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, the whole episode revolves around implied social norms or implied social contracts or however you want to kind of think about that. The, the, the unwritten laws of, of social interaction and if there's anybody in the universe who wouldn't understand that or who <laughs> it would totally fly by him, it's Finn. And so uh, this whole episode revolves around people trying to explain the laws and the rules of society to Finn. And he really not getting it. Yeah, he takes just the most pragmatic approach possible. I need to find a girl to go to movie night with me. And to begin that process, he actually says... Well, I'm going to call the girl that, uh, what does he say? He says, like, I'm going to call a girl that I don't have to kiss. And he calls 
Princess Bubblegum. Right, which that to me is like the greatest evidence that Finn, it's not that he doesn't know what's going on with movie night, it's that he doesn't know what's going on with himself. We've seen Finn have a crush on uh, on PB. We've seen Finn blush when PB kisses him on the cheek or manipulates him into doing things. But then he straight up says, oh, well, I'm just going to call a girl that I don't have to kiss. So Finn seems to have, he, he knows enough to know that he has a crush on PB, but he doesn't know enough to know really what that means. He thinks that PB kind of is just a, she's a girl, but she's just kind of a bro. I don't got to kiss her. Right. Yeah. Uh, the relationship that his his mental picture, his mental understanding of how he feels about PB is broken, perhaps. Yeah, uh, and it's it's really how he thinks that he can feel about any girl. I, I think that he understands that he can like girls, but I don't think he has any clue what that means. Yeah, I agree. So he does call up PB and he invites her. He says, hey, you want to go to couples movie night with me? And she says, oh, man, that sounds romantic. And he just goes, what? He goes, no. what? No. It's not romantic. I just want to know if you want to go to a movie with me. <laughs> like, it's one of those sentences where, like, if it happened in the real world, you'd, you'd sound like a crazy person. Like, right. hey, I want you to go to, I want you to go on a date with me. Oh, that sounds romantic. No, it's not romantic. It's a date. Right. Like, <laughs> like that kind of sentence. But she says, well, I can't anyway, because she is practicing for uh, some absurd thing. Whistle whistle choir uh death match i yeah. think is what the i think is the event that she's preparing for and then she sits down and whistles and she's not very good so i'm kind of worried about how well she's going to do and whether she's going to come back from the death match right if you if this is going to be a whistling to the death uh P, pb's got some practicing to do but anyway he gets a turn down uh he gets a no from her and he's disappointed and but jake is not jake says oh well that's no problem that she said no. She wants to go. We just have to. Re- we just have to uh, basically remind her that she wants to go with you, and I have the perfect plan to do so. Yeah, Finn's kind of like, oh well, PB doesn't want to go. Oh well, and Jake is kind of like, hey, why don't I share some of my pickup artist tips with you to convince her that she wants to go? Exactly. So Jake then calls in an ally, an unexpected ally, given Jake's previous interactions with her. But Jake gives a phone call to Marceline, Marceline the Vampire Queen. Yeah. His whole plan revolves around her, in fact. So he invites Marceline over. Uh, Marceline appears quickly. Marceline was like actually already in the treehouse, uh, creepily. Hiding and, under a conspicuous on second and third and fourth watching pile of laundry. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, she's there immediately. And Jake's plan essentially is to make PB jealous by introducing or by, I guess, using Marceline as a, as a false love interest for Finn. Yeah. Jake's theory is that by creating jealousy in PB, that will... I think he says that'll make her realize she's got Finn love. That's right. So they go to the they go to the Candy Kingdom, go underneath a win, uh, PB's bedroom window, and enact a uh, a bit of a bit of false a little false scene there where uh, it's essentially Finn is telling a fake joke to Marceline. Marceline is laughing, 
demonstrating that Finn is funny and that she is interested in him and that will elicit jealousy from PB. Yeah, I gotta say, for as little as Finn seems to know about girls or women in this episode, Jake seems to have a pretty poor understanding as well if he thinks that just making PB jealous is going to make her immediately want to come get Finn. I think that that's sort of a harmful stereotype that women face that, you know, oh, well, she's just acting based on jealousy. You know, she wants to go get that guy because she's jealous that her friend has him. I don't think that I'm sure that happens sometimes, but I don't think it happens nearly as much as the cliches would lead you to believe. But Jake seems to be fully bought into that idea. Right. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Women, all women aren't rivals with each other. So they're outside, they're under PB's window, Finn is trying to make Marceline laugh, and he's succeeding despite the fact that he does literally nothing that is funny at all. Yeah, but I think that was the point. He, he didn't have to say anything. Marceline knew the deal. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she yeah. didn't actually find it funny. She was laughing for the sake of laughing, which reinforces yeah. Finn's terrible comedic instincts, but that's kind of beside the point because PB does hear Marceline laughing, pokes her head out the window and, and addresses the two of them. Yep. She does give a bit of side eye to Marceline and Marceline. I don't remember the name, but Marceline calls her calls PB. Bonnabelle. Bonnabelle. And is that PB's real last name? Well, I will tell you as much as that Marceline calls her Bonnabelle in this episode. And PB definitely does. Uh, she seems to, well, she obviously knows Marceline, and there may be some kind of history there based on the way that she says, oh, hey, Marceline. Yeah, there's definitely an implied history. So I, you get that as much. And then I thought, oh, wow, is, is this a little character reveal? Marceline knows Princess Bubblegums. I guess, would it be her first name in think, this case? I think it's her first name. And I think that by calling her that, Marceline is deliberately goading her yeah well pb is annoyed but basically just says oh well what were you laughing at and i'd like to be in on the joke and this at this point finn is has no nothing to say because he realizes like there was no joke he doesn't he can't explain what was making them making her laugh because nothing was making her laugh it was all a ploy and so he says oh uh nothing like you know just stuff and PB kind of says like, oh, well, fine then. Uh, then can you just keep it down? I've got practicing to do. Right. So um, it seems like a failure or it seems like didn't elicit. It certainly didn't uh, induce a immediate desire to go to the movies with Finn. So from that standpoint, it's a failure. But Jake seems undeterred. Jake kind of treats it as a success. And at that point, he says, it's all, he says, that went great. Let's move to phase two of the plan. And phase two is going to be powerful. And Jake takes off to begin the implementation of phase two. And this is where Marceline steps in and starts to offer Finn some advice from a real girl. And, you know, there's, a, I, I, there's so much stuff I want to talk about here. I'm not sure exactly what Marceline is getting at, but she does say, I think, you know, I think it's good advice. Well, you, you have to be fun. You have to do something that's fun for her. And she says, well, what do you like to do for fun, Finn? And of course, Finn says, oh, I like to wrestle and fight. <laughs> Which Marceline is on board with. Marceline says, that's great. 
do what you find fun. Yeah, and that's where that's where I wonder, does Marceline is she going, yeah, absolutely, do what you find fun, be yourself, go see what PB thinks of that. She seems to really encourage him, and I can't tell if she's just kind of setting him up to embarrass himself in, in front of Princess Bubblegum because she thinks it might be funny. Yeah, it's hard to tell, hard to tell at that point. Um, what, because on face value, we as people watching the show would say, yeah, wrestling someone that you have feelings for is a bad idea. I mean, it's at best, it's like sort of like cliche playground behavior of like hitting, hitting the person you like. Yeah, exactly. Like as a as a kindergartner, it's something kind of thing. that you might try and pull off in seventh grade. I would say at the latest, it's a ju it's a juvenile display of affection. Yeah, yeah. and it's a it's like a young cheap way of <laughs> initiating physical contact with someone yeah all attention is good attention essentially if you can get your if you can get the your object of affection's attention no matter how you do it it's a it's right so finn decides that he's going to go wrestle pb because that's fun and then jake right. comes back with the props that are necessary for phase two of his plan and phase two of his plan can be summed up in the phrase loot suit loot suit <laughs> and uh it is what it sounds like it is a loot a medieval stringed instrument and the traditional or i would say cliche traditional garb of a bard full-on ruffly sleeves and ridiculous hat with feather and it is a medieval loot suit and so, and Jake's plan is essentially you need to serenade PB. That's that's phase Jake two. Jake seems to believe that loot suits are just irresistible to women. Right. They head inside the castle. Jake and Marceline both take forms that can allow them to hide. Jake pretends to be a chair. Marceline turns into a bat in order to hide. Finn tells Jake he's not so sure about the loot suit because he thinks it will interfere with the plan that he and Marceline devised. And this is the first that Jake's hearing of a plan that Marceline is creating. And he definitely gets jealous of, of this plan. And he says, you know, no, man, look, you got to listen to my plan. Loot suit's where it's at. And Marceline's kind of like, it's, this is silly. And so Finn implements sort of a hybrid of the two plans. Yep. PB sees him and PB comes walking down the hallway. He see, she sees Finn in the loot suit is immediately delighted by this sight. Uh, she finds it hilarious and, and funny and Finn starts to play some music for her and Martin PB starts finding it kind of funny and she starts laughing is enjoying it. But then Finn implements the Marceline half of the plan and makes a quick transition from bard to wrestler and starts wrestling PB in WWE style, frankly. Yeah. Puts her in a headlock, throws her on the ground and then does sort of a people's elbow situation. Yeah. Into her spine and, and PB calls the guards on Finn who promptly toss him directly out of the castle. So whether it was the loot suit or the wrestling, it did not work once again. So we find Finn, Jake, and Marceline outside the castle brainstorming what they think they may be able to do to salvage the situation. 
But Jake is a little upset that Finn decided to go with Marceline's plan. And yep. uh, Finn even says, you know, I, I felt pretty silly in the in the loot suit. And Jake says, fine, if you want to take my advice, I'm just going to go home. And he's in a huff and he walks off. He even says harumph as he yes. walks away. <laughs> and so that leaves Finn and Marceline to continue on with any plan that they want to try. Marceline is a little, feels a little bad that, or at least is is a little, you know, worried that Jake's so mad. But Finn says, "No, nah, don't worry. He just needs to eat some spaghetti, and he'll be okay." <laughs> but then they talk more about, "Okay, well, that didn't work." And and Marceline kind of continues to reinforce her point of view, which is that you need to show her that you're fun, but you all you need to show her some excitement. Yeah. And uh, so that's the next phase of Marceline's plan. But Marceline, as a vampire, I think has a different idea and tolerance for what is considered exciting versus like terrifying yes and so she suggests you need to show her excitement you need to chase her with wolves exactly and so marceline and finn take off to find a pack of wolves and it really struck me as i was watching this so they they meet a pack of wolves and they wrestle for a minute and finn is a little iffy but then Marceline kind of snarls at him and Finn snarls back and then they're running with these wolves and Finn is running on all fours and foaming at the mouth. This is maybe some of the most genuinely happy. It's maybe the most genuinely happy that I have seen Finn in the entire series. Like running with a pack of wolves is right up his alley. Right. It's clear that Finn is enjoying himself. It's clear that Marceline's enjoying herself running with these wolves. And I love that whole sequence. Yeah. It's very artistically done. It's very, um, it's very well put together. It's, it's without words, you see a bond created between Marceline and Finn. Yes. Over this experience. Absolutely. The joy that they show in running with this pack of wolves makes me happy. Yep. But they did have a plan to enact, so after uh, enjoying their time with the pack of wolves, they pluck two out of the pack and fly back to the Candy Kingdom, where they deposit the crazed wolves into PB's bedroom while she (laughs) sleeps. And And here's where I start to think that maybe Marceline is pulling Finn's leg a little bit, because she knows darn well that PB doesn't want wolves in her bedroom. Yeah, but I also, like, Marceline in this episode becomes essentially, like, the perfect foil or, like, um, the perfect extension of of Finn's, like, animalistic desire, like, animalistic nature, like, his, his more primal urges. Yes. And in that sense, like... I don't like she she becomes more like Finn than she has been in this in it previously. Like she she and Finn become more of the same mind and I can't tell if she doesn't think that like she enjoys these wolves so much that maybe she also thinks that like how could no one else how could someone else not enjoy these wolves? Like I'm yeah. not sure that she's actually pranking PB in this or Finn in this instant. I think it's a clear i think it could be just a a clear case of like of misguided like expectations or something yeah and i i think that she as marceline is encouraging finn to put 
wolves into PB's bedroom. I think that that is something that Finn may not have thought of on his own, but it is right. certainly something that Finn would do. Okay. She, she's not asking him to do anything out of character. You know, she's not saying, oh, well, you need to, for instance, dress up in a loot suit. She's saying, put wolves in her bedroom. And while Finn may not have done that on his own, it's certainly something that I could see. It, Finn's like, yeah, great idea. He's not he's not nervous about it like he is the loot suit. So she doesn't so much get Finn to do something that she wants him to do as just sort of remind him of something that he may have done otherwise. It, it's right. very in keeping with Finn's character to do this. Right. I, I agree with you. I think you're right. There, and we could talk more about it. Um, let's get to the end of the episode, and I think there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. So the wolf plan goes over as well as anyone could have expected it to go, which is poorly. It terrifies PB. She rushes out of her bedroom, actually finds Finn sitting there and is grateful to see him, her champion, and says, there are wolves in my bedroom. And he goes, oh, I know, I put them there. (laughs) And then we smash cut to him being tossed out of the castle again. And PB is now there. She's not just relying on the guards. And PB says, I'm sorry, Finn, but until you stop acting like a psychopath... You're no longer allowed in the Candy Kingdom. And the pretzel gate slams closed, and yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty serious situation Finn finds himself in. He, he looks uh, pretty hurt, actually. Yeah, I mean, this is the exact opposite that she, he won. I mean, not, it's not even that she's not going to the movies with him, but she has cut off all contact with him. Yeah, so Finn's and, upset, and he heads home. Yeah. He heads home to his treehouse. So he is upset. He's upset. Uh, Jake kind of comes to chat with him. Jake apologizes for being a grump later, but he's now had some spaghetti and feels better. And and I like that Jake doesn't actually say like, oh, yeah, I ate some spaghetti. I'm better. He just says, hey, I'm sorry about being a jerk later. And Finn says, that's okay. And Jake says, you want some you want some leftover spaghetti? Just implying that he went ahead and ate spaghetti and now he's all better. Yep, and they have a conversation, and I can't remember the specifics of it, but the at the end of it, Finn has a bit of a revelation. Yeah, so Finn and Marceline have a conversation, and it, it really reinforces what you were talking about earlier, that he and Marceline, in a lot of ways, are similar and are on the same wavelength. Right, or at least she's on the same wavelength as like one aspect like a very strong aspect of his personality. I mean, like Jake and him are on a, a different wavelength, but also in a same strong way. But yeah, it's basically a um, Finn and Marceline. I think Finn realizes in this moment that his feelings for Marceline uh, go beyond what he had thought previously. Exactly. Uh, without trying to reveal too much. Yeah, so he realizes, he says something to the effect of, it was Marceline all along. Yeah, she kisses him on the cheek and flies away, and he goes, Marceline? It was Marceline all along. And so he puts another ill-conceived plan into motion. He shows up to Marceline's house. Marceline's back at home. 
uh, about ready to do some shredding on her bass guitar. And oh my god, I love this so much. And then outside, she hears some strumming. And she looks outside, and I think she says something like, oh no. Yeah, she, just, she looks outside, she sees Finn in a loot suit and goes, uh-oh. <laughs> and Finn proceeds to basically put into play probably the exact plan that that Jake had all along, or Jake had envisioned all along with PB. But Finn pulls a full-on say-anything loot style on the lawn outside of Marceline's house. He plays the loot for her. He holds the loot above his head like a boombox <laughs> and then shouts, will you go to couples movie night with me? Will you go to the movies with me? Yeah. Marceline pulls him inside. And we got to talk. We have to talk. And basically gives him the, I don't like you in that way, talk. First, she kind of tries to scare him off by morphing into a tentacled creature. Right. And, and that, that to me seems like Marceline basically saying, buddy, you don't know what you're getting into. I'm a vampire queen. Stay away. Right. But that doesn't right. drive Finn away. So she has to take the more direct route of saying, no, I'm not going to go to the movies with you. I don't like you that way. Right. I don't like you that way. And that hits Finn and and Finn's like wait what what way and and she says you know like romantically and he's just like ew I don't like you romantically yeah yeah the way that it happens is is great so she says I don't I don't like you that way and Finn flops back on the couch and says all I want to do is go to the movies but nobody likes me or everybody hates me or something like that and he says all I want to do is go to the movies with you and Marceline says, so you don't want me to be your girlfriend? And Finn goes, no, movies. <laughs> yeah. Like this whole time, this like from it's been clear this whole time that now like Finn didn't grasp anything of what Jake may have told him about the imply implications of going to couples movie night. Like from this whole get go, Finn has just wanted to see a movie. And he's basically been like, fine, whatever, whatever I have to do to like get like to like be approved of to go see a movie, he will do. But it's all have been it's all clearly has been like to this point, just pragmatism on his part of like the ends justify the means. I just want to see a movie. So if that means I have to ask a girl to go with me, fine, so be it. Exactly. I need to check this box that says I brought someone that I theoretically could smooch. And right. I was trying for PB. Now it turns out that Marceline and I really get along. And so I'm going to ask her. And then he's just blown away when Marceline says, you don't want me to be your girlfriend? No. Movies. Which <laughs> Finn actually has a really good point. That's all he's ever asked anybody to do. You know, he never said, hey, do you want to uh, maybe go to the movies sometime, get something to eat, see what happens? He's, he, right. he just wants to go to the doggone movies. And... Everyone else in the episode assumes that it is a romantic or uh, at least, you know, smooch adjacent sort of request. Exactly. So once this is cleared up, Marceline is like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely go to the movies with you as friends. And Finn reiterates, yeah, of course, as friends. Like, <laughs> what other option is there? Like, he doesn't even like it doesn't even hit him still. 
And so they end up going to the movies together. Uh, it is a very romantic movie that they're watching, and there are tons of other couples there. It is couples movie night. It's a drive-in style theater, and they watch uh, the movie, and it advances a little bit. And they, but then Finn looks around and sees that no one else is really watching the movie at couples movie night. Everyone else is smooching, and this makes Finn hurl. Literally. He finally, literally hurl. It also discusses Marceline, and if finally Finn just says, "Like, do you want to get out of here?" And Will Marceline says, "The honor of leaving yeah. movie night with me." And she says, "Nothing would please me more." And they head off to go run with the wolves again. And then the characters on the screen, one of them says, "And nothing will ever tear us apart." And then Finn and Marceline burst through the screen, tearing them apart on the backs of wolves. Right. With now wolves have just entered, have just like burst into couples movies night. And that's where we cut this. That's where we end the episode. Yes. So tell me more. Tell me what you tell me what makes this one of your favorite episodes or one of the typifying episodes of your fandom. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those episodes where I just think that there's so much going on between Jake and Marceline and Finn. They each have a different idea of the goal they're trying to accomplish, I think. And they certainly have different ideas about the method through which they will accomplish it. And meanwhile, Finn is completely clueless. He's the one who's expected to implement this plan, but he doesn't even understand why he's implementing the plan. And it's it's assumed, and in fact, uh, Marceline says to him at some point, like, Oh, well, you know, if if you weren't trying to, you know, date Bubblegum, then why were you being so romantic all day? <laughs> and and Finn, I love this part. Finn says, well, Jake told me that couples movie night has like kissing requirements and romance initiation rituals and things like that. And Jake goes, well, no, I, I didn't. And he kind of hides behind the couch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, it's clear. It's a classic pre pre pubescent early pubescent boy just like just not he's he may be close to having romantic feelings about girls or he's he has flashes of it but like or or have any romantic feelings about anybody but uh he clearly still is uh it is still not a driving force of his character of his of his world at this point and so uh it doesn't even occur to him that there could be romantic even when they're described to him in detail he still doesn't really grasp the full scope of like the romantic entanglements that a couple's movie night would entail. Yeah, I think that he gets crushes, but he doesn't know what they are. And he also, however, doesn't know how to make friends. I think for the most part, Jake is his only real friend. And so when Jake says, well, if you wanted to go to the movies with you, Jake is saying, if you want her to go to smooch movie night with you, and Finn is hearing, if you want her to be your friend, you have to do this. And so Finn carries out this elaborate romantic plan, just thinking that that's what you have to do to get a friend to go to the movies with you. Right. And I think we can now talk about just like the plans themselves, what they represent. Like, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, Jake's plan is, I think, cliche older brother kind of planning i mean it's it's essentially the um it's the blind leading the blind a bit in the sense that like 
this is Jake's conception of what women want. Yeah, I think Jake realizes that women need to be wooed, but he doesn't quite understand what would woo most women because that is a loot suit, not a woot suit. Exactly. I'm going to move past that. The, uh, <laughs> don't, but you, the... don't you ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is, yeah, I mean, he has, he has cliched notions of what women want. Which, I mean, it's very like Cyrano de Bergerac. It's like romance novel kind of stuff. Yes, over-the-top romance. Over-the-top romance novel kind of stuff that he is, uh, he believes is going to win the day, uh, win the heart of the fair maiden. So we, we have on that side, we have one example of like what women want. We have that, we have this concept. Then on the other side, we have Marceline who seemingly comes at it from a more genuine perspective of like, no, you need to think about what would actually be fun and enjoyable for this person. But then she doesn't quite go far enough. Marceline has a very selfish point of view previously established in all the other episodes we've seen her in. Yes. Um, So her advice basically revolves around what she would find fun. And it also happens to be what Finn would find fun because they are so simpatico on that. But in neither case, neither Marceline nor Jake really consider what PB would find fun. Right. Like they are all they are all making assumptions about what she would want. And no one's actually asking her. Exactly. And that is where clearly they fail. Yeah, and, and I just think in this episode we see we we dig so deep into you know, it's it's been hinted at before, you know, oh, Finn has a crush on PB, he made her the model of the candy kingdom and he wanted to make her barbecue great and she does sparkly eyes at him and and he'll do whatever she wants and he blushes but we really dug down deep into what that actually means and while finn does have a crush he doesn't really understand what that is he really likes princess bubblegum and he knows that but she's just somebody to go to the movies with to him he hasn't developed he hasn't moved on to that part where i have a crush in there and therefore i want to have some kind of romantic relationship with this person right and they really flirt in this episode with making you think like wait a second like is there a romantic relationship that's budding between marceline and finn that wasn't there before and they really make you feel like that for the entire episode right up until the point where marceline says i don't like you that way for me personally, my metaverse temporarily came crashing down on itself. Uh, because sure. friends of the podcast will know that in my meta theory, my my metaverse theory for uh, Adventure Time, Marceline is a metaphor within Finn's mind that represents an actual older sister he has somewhere in, in the real world, quote unquote. And making her a romantic interest in this episode was like, "Uh uh-oh, Ben's going to have to rewrite his theory. So I had a, I had a moment of, I had a, I had a crisis of confidence for a moment. I was relieved to find out that that is not how she feels about him. And it is not how he feels about her, but for a moment it is there. And it is clear, even if there's no romantic 
relationship between the two of them. The bond they share is much deeper than previously established. Yeah, the development of that relationship between Marceline and Finn was really meaningful and important to me. I thought that that was Mm -hmm. fantastic. And I think that Marceline's reaction, whether it's an older sister or just some kind of older girl who perceives a younger boy having a crush on her, to just say, "I I don't like you like that, but then they can still go on being friends... I don't like you like that, but I do like you. I just, I don't know. I thought that we learned so much about Finn and the way that he sees relationships, and we learned so much about his relationship with Marceline. And I kind of think that we learned a lot about Jake, although it's about what you would expect Jake's approach to romancing the ladies would be. Yeah, I mean, I think we learned that Finn leads a life that maybe we might aspire to in some ways, which is like... uh, that he is unaffected by social societal pressure, essentially. He is fully capable of being friends with females who he might, all, he might otherwise be romantically attracted to. But even when they have a, a moment where that is taken off the table, he is perfectly fine being friends with people just for, just for the sake of being friends with them. And he is oblivious to social pressure he is oblivious to implied social contracts, and it is, uh, that sounds like a blissful life, frankly. That sounds like a very yeah. un- un- unencumbered life he leads. He also is unaware of euphemistic language. Yeah. Finn says, will you go to the movies with me? And that means physically you and me go watch right. a movie together. There's none of this weight behind it of, oh my God, he asked right. me to the movies. No, Finn just wants to go to the movies with you. Yeah, and I guess, like, in this, I, I mean, it is very much just, like, it's the life of a child. Like, that's yeah. that's what he leads. Yeah, but the contrast between that and his budding feelings for Princess Bubblegum, to me, it, it, it's really, I don't know. I, 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 I just, I really tremendously loved this episode and everything that we learned about the characters and their relationships. I thought this was uh, a fantastic one. Yeah. And I thought to myself, as we were talking, you know, like if I were to watch this show with a 10 year old or maybe an eight year old, how much would they pick up on? Like, would they just watch it? And would they be like, yeah, why is everyone be so being so weird? Like Finn just wants to go to the movies. Like, I wonder how much, how many of the social cues, like an actual human person, an eight year old human would, would pick up on in this episode or if that's all if that's all something that like you have to reach a certain age before you can pick up on those jokes basically yeah because they mostly do speak in euphemisms in terms of you know when people think that they're being asked on dates it's all euphemistic there's no sort of cartoon bulging heart-shaped eyes or anything like that right um you know we perceive some sort of romantic feeling by finn but he never says so and so if you're not looking for that you just hear finn saying i want to go to movies with you exactly i agree with you a multi-layered episode i thought that the way that they artfully developed the relationship between finn and marceline to the point where you were ready to believe that they could become a romantic item and then and then then how they pulled back from that point but in a very satisfying way 
was really well done. Yeah, they didn't build a romantic relationship, but they did forge a much closer relationship. And it's a very meaningful one that honestly kind of affected me a little bit. So I think uh, we've said enough to say that this was a good one. This, yeah. was a, this was a great one. Absolutely. I would say that it was an excellent second course to the uh, the palate cleanser, the, the, the bit of sorbet that the first episode was. Yes. This was a much richer meal of an episode. So all in all, an excellent dinner. I enjoyed it. I feel satisfied. I think that uh, I agree with you that this, this showed me what this show can be. I be I think I'm seeing the the pieces of it that you're seeing uh to a Good. certain extent. Finally. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I if I highly recommend this to people. If you're going to hit an episode, this is a good one to watch, good one to watch that is. And um yeah, we've uh we've talked this one to death though. Yeah, I think we have. So we we actually have only 3 more episodes of Podventure Time until we finish the second season. Uh, I did a little looking ahead, and there are some episodes up there that I quite enjoy as well. So I am very excited to keep moving and move through season two and get into season three. And hopefully I just become less and less of an overpromising liar as we go along. Fantastic. We can only, one, can only, one can only hope. Yeah. Well, you know what? This brings us to the end of another episode of Podventure Time. And of course, at the end of Podventure Time, I always have to say thank you to Will Yates for providing us with our intro and outro music. That song's called Date Night. It's off of his EP, I Know the Feeling. You can head over to willyates.bandcamp.com and pay what you want for that EP. And I'm almost certain that he is streaming on most of the popular streaming music services if you prefer to pay him in fractions of pennies. Uh, you should also head out and uh, tweet at us. We'd love to hear from you. We, you know, we, we want to know that you're listening and we want to know what you think. Uh, it's very fun to correspond with people who have listened to your show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Podventure Time is the name of the page. We also have a group that's associated with where every once in a while I'll post a discussion topic and people mostly ignore it. So if anybody wants to pop up in the Treehouse Treasure Room and start expressing Strong opinions. We'll be glad to have you. And uh, I want to add uh, at the end of this episode, it's a little awkward, but I figure, you know, I've been reading some stuff says shoot your shot. So let me tell you that in the uh, in the episode description of each of our episodes is a link to what we call the tip jar. And that's something that our podcast hosting service provides for us. But if you feel so inclined and you want to support creators that you like you can click over to our tip jar and throw a buck or two our way and uh, if we get enough people to do that then maybe we'll look into creating something more formal bonus content all kinds of things like that ben i can tell you that i don't care whether we ever make money doing this i just love doing it with you but if anybody wants to show their support in a monetary fashion that is also an option i am in it solely for the money you guys so this is this is a. Uh, this isn't going to happen anymore if I don't get paid. So Ben's lying. If he was in it solely for the money, he would find someone better to do a podcast <laughs> with than me. <laughs> oh man, uh, that is so true. And um, I was going to say thank you to the fan. I won't name the name. I'm not sure if you want to be named publicly, uh, but thank you to the fan of the show who uh, did show up in the Facebook group to help me 
remember or learn, I suppose, who the voice of Choose Goose is an homage to. Uh, So for those who have been wondering and who haven't been to the Facebook group, uh, it is the comedian, famous comedian, uh, Ed Wynn. I hope I'm remembering that right now. Um, yep. Edwin, who you may know as the the crazy guy who has the tea party on the ceiling in Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. as many as well as several other uh, famous famous movies that uh, that I can't remember right now. But he is a famous American comedian. Edwin, that is the voice that Choose Goose is an homage to. Thank you, fan of the show, who. Did some Googling for me to figure that out. It was killing me. I very much appreciate it. Yeah, the, the Podventure Time hive mind has come through for us. So Excellent. Uh, I guess this is where we, we wrap it up. And when we wrap it up, I let you all know that I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. Date me? I just want to go to the movies. Mm-hmm.